Hi, welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast where we take on the role of archivists, working for an interdimensional library that catalogs and protects the fabric of reality. As archivists, we are tasked with journeying out into the realms, taking on characteristics of people from that reality, and remedying whatever issues may be causing a disturbance in the dimension. Every arc, we will be playing a different RPG, maybe even returning to systems we like later on, but this is a fun way for us as players and you as listeners to explore and learn about different tabletop systems. We'll discuss the rules, create sheets for our characters, and play a short campaign to get a feel for the game. Afterwards, we'll do a bit of discussion. We'll talk about what we liked and didn't like, and what we'd know to do better next time. My name is Babby, and I am playing Riddle de Drakel. They are a tiefling nerd baby. I'm Ziva, and I am playing Linda, the lovable human office lady. And I'm Dorka. I play Zen, the barbarian lizard princess. Let's get down to some actual playing. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's go, boys. This, this is the Eternity Archives. Orem's armies marched upon the world. People from all over, different planets, different realms, joined the fight to stop the corrupted from taking the forgotten realms. Gods, demons, celestials, all joined forces, helping to stop the spread of the far realms. But it was too much, it was too strong. And now our heroes, our brave five heroes are barely holding the line. Join us at BaldaTheSevenDice.com so that this tale will not be forgotten. So we will know how to hold back the creatures of the Far Realms before it's too late. Hey, it's Dennis, editor and GM of Control Group. Let's give it up for our ads. And let's throw in one of our own. And I know what you must be thinking. Dennis, I'm already listening to the episode. Aren't I doing enough? And truly you are. But if you wanted to go the extra step, why not follow us on Twitter? At CTRL Group Pod. There we post a lot of information, character portraits, and little promos to the episode. So you can get a cute little sneak peek to get you excited before you listen. You can also go ahead and jump on to the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord server. There we have our own little special place where you can come and talk to us about episodes and episode ideas and systems. Do you have a system you want us to test? Go over to our Patreon. We have a special $5 dev tier where once you pledge to that, we'll go ahead to take a look at your system, give you a nice little preview, and then somewhere down the line, we're going to go ahead and give your system a try. And if you don't have a system to test, you can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar. There, you can go ahead and get access to special tests that we put behind a paywall, because they're probably too stupid to go on the main feed. Also, it's tried and true, but smash that like and subscribe button below. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review if you're on spotify give us five stars or however many you think is appropriate anyway if you have the spoons to do this go ahead we really appreciate the support we want to thank you nevertheless just for listening to our podcast enjoy the episode you run a tea shop on the border of the living and the dead the recently deceased visit for one last hot drink before their long journey to the great beyond. Time is strange here. 
days and memories blur. Nobody visited yesterday. You're sure of that. Someone passed last week, but you are unable to picture their face. The fog thins. A figure approaches. You stoke the fire. Welcome, variables, to the last tea shop one-page RPG about the end. I am your shop owner, Dennis Veray, and with me, I've got a couple of patrons. Hey, I'm Ryan Bowman. I'm a patron. I'm Adam Visconti. I'm the other patron. Welcome, everyone, uh, to Three Shot of Palooza, our third one shot of Palooza. All the systems, as mentioned before, are coming out of the abortion fund. So go support abortions across America, because we really dropped the ball on that. Not us, not control group. America, by and large, dropped the ball. <laughs> On this one, I'm sorry, me, Dennis Ray, did not ratify Roe v. Wade. <laughs> that was my bad. But let's make it a little bit better. In this system, we are going to meet people on their journey at the very end of it. And we're going to piece together everything, like most one-pagers. The reason Adam and Ryan don't have characters prepared is because we're kind of coming up with them on the fly as we go along. So we'll start with the setup immediately. I'm going to roll a d6 off this chart here to figure out where the last tea shop is placed. I rolled a 6, so that's a back alley in Old Town. Basing it off of Old Town here in Chicago, uh, right behind Second City. <laughs> there. <laughs> right across the street from the Cadova. There's a really good bar, an Irish bar. Um, not off of Wells. It's that street that goes parallel to Wells. Um, I've been here a week. But, yeah. It's like really hoping Ryan would come in and save me there, but... <laughs> Not in that area as much anymore. But in a seedy back alley in an old town. In a time period that seems nebulous and shifting. Fresh wood on the inn itself, meanwhile cobblestone streets outside. The coffee shop has two affinities you can choose. So for the coffee shop, I've chosen ahead of time memories and space as our two affinities. As I mentioned before, the front of the last tea shop looks brand new. If it were in a metropolitan area, it would look like a normal pop-up venue or a place that you would find on a Michelin guide for a pub or a tea shop or a gastropub. However, when you enter the shop itself, it is as ethereal as you could imagine the last place you'll ever be. Its decor is wooden in a lot of areas. The bar, the tables, even the walls seem to be lined with wood. Each plank seemingly from a different tree. Possibly these trees stand to memories for the many visitors that have been in and out. And even if you were to step into one, you would find such a plank of wood that would remind you of something. In uh, most of the corners and blocking off the back doorway leading into what you could only assume would be the kitchen are these beaded curtains 
each bead itself not regular in shape, all different shapes and sizes, with these small, almost crystalline galaxies within, holding universes in every bead, in this kind of innocuous bead curtain itself. At the front of the bar, you see a person standing there, finely dressed, attentive, kind of befitting a tea shop like this. Their face in reflection gives off this ethereal kind of celestial being, a head looking like a galaxy swirling stars amongst it. But whenever forward-facing to another being, this head just reflects back something that isn't an instant memory, an instant connection you made, but someone you've maybe seen on the street before, a childhood mailman that you might remember. Lining the back bar and little shelves around the tea shop, we see what seem to be random trinkets, but all belonging to someone before. And you're sure if you searched hard enough, you'd find something small that belonged to you. We start the game. I'm going to have both of you roll your 2d6 and figure out your supplies uh, before you come in. So you roll 2d6. Uh, first one is the row. Second one is the column. And then you get three supplies as you're heading in. So I'll have you guys do that in the background. Meanwhile, we have to figure out what day it is for us to get our first visitor, so I'll be rolling on a chart as well. In the meantime, I rolled, and I've figured out our first visitor and the weather to which they come into. Uh, I think I'll just vamp about the weather as you two decide who's going to play the first character. As the door to the tea shop open. We see that the outside of the last tea shop appears to be an expanse of open space. This endless void of cosmos. Even if you were to be a natural passerby, it would seem like any old pub in an old town setting. However, our clientele are not passerbys in the traditional sense. They serve another journey. The endless expanse of dark space is broken up by gentle sunbeams as they all work together, intersecting and crisscrossing, creating a light bridge for our first visitor, the messenger, to make it through as it's been three days since our last visitor. These sunbeams are a beckoning of calm as they head through. We, whoever's taking the character, describe what the tea tender sees in front of them. They see a short, balding, but not bald, man. A patch on the back of his head. Bald spot. Gray hair. He has a pair of, let's say, half-moon spectacles. And he has a, a short-sleeved button-down green plaid shirt. And a pair of light brown khaki shorts. He has white socks pulled all the way up on his calves and a pair of New Balance shoes. Um, white with blue, 
New Balance shoes, and a silver wristwatch with a blue face on his left hand. And some, you know, whiskers. As you head in, you... uh... I'll say for, unless you guys want to get into it, I'll say for the purposes of the game that each traveler that comes in is aware and has already processed the fact that they have died stepping into the last tea shop, so we don't have to go through that every fucking time. <laughs> oh, well, I'm dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the tea tender isn't a grim reaper, so to speak, but a last vestige of what you are. Uh, so as you head in, you uh, take a seat at the bar to which the tea tenders already set up a nice little plate before you and an empty cup. Uh, a menu sits off to the side as the tea tender looks at you very gently. What do you see as the tea tender? What face do you see? I see a, a, a hardened but kind of kind face. With a mustache, a kind of a trimmed, uh, like a, I don't even know what it's called, the kind of mustache that looks like a broom, that's really just like, it's just like there's a tiny broom on someone's face. And I think he's wearing like a a Newsies cap for me. Let's say a gray pinstripe (laughs) Newsies hat. Oh, love that. And I think he has kind of cloudy eyes, a gray kind of cloudy look to his eyes. As the tea tender beckons you to sit um and what can i get for you and his sentence trails off as if he's asking for your name oh uh i think you could uh oh sorry uh my name's hank what can i do for you hank you know uh i think i'm here to get uh, some to drink he firmly but kindly uh positions his body closer to this kind of standing triangle art menu that's just sitting on the bar like relatively close enough to you you know just like as a middle school teacher this is something i am ought to do where i have like instructions on the board and i'm just like why are you asking the question the answer is like three inches away from me so there are five different recipes and a little chart on our sheet for us to choose from do i need to have the ingredients for things yes you need at least one of the ingredients okay listed in not italics i think i'd like to have a cup of your comforting brew comforting brew all right uh which ingredient are you using for the comforting brew i'm using my feathered moss (laughs) as you present uh feather moss to the tea tender you watch as they take it in their hand and it swirls around just hovering slightly above it like a galaxy being born. You watch as the teetotaler then works to the other side of the bar towards the back-facing room and uh, puts it into a teapot. As the teapot needs to heat up, he turns back around to you and (laughs) gets right into the very invasive questions directly after. Uh, asking for your name. So, Hank, what's the last thing that you remember? I remember a, a beeping, a beeping right next to me, and a really a bright, a bright light above me. And I remember Sherry's hand holding mine, and I could hear her whispering something in my ear. And 
was something calming to me, but I I remember I wished that it was more than just her who was saying it. You watch as the tea tender, very classic style, grabs a rag, begins cleaning out another dish as if it were like a glass at a bar. Uh, Sherry, your wife, I assume? No, we we weren't married. We were we were together. We we loved each other a lot, but we no, we weren't married. Not married. Tell me how you met. Actually, uh, I met her at the. I accidentally uh, bumped into her on a on a slow day at the Jewel Oscar. Uh, we were both looking to get some some vegetable soup, and we bumped into each other. Uh, our hands bumped into each other, and, and I was still wearing my wedding ring at the, wedding ring at the time, and that struck because we were we hit it off. But but yeah, uh, she was sweet and had, you know, kind of spunky and my age <laughs> and we, you know uh, we we got everything else throughout the store together and then we checked out and then it, it turned out that we lived right, you know, right on the same street and so a couple days later I went and I went and saw her and then, you know one thing led to another, I suppose The tea tender breaks out of this more rough exterior and you find that kindness underneath as they smile bringing up the broom mustache you back in your time on earth you left something unfinished what'd you leave undone feels you know it feels silly now but i never i never told my son that i wasn't doing well i would think i was i was afraid he was still angry with me (laughs) and so upset and I think I didn't want to hear. If I told him, if I told it to him, I wanted him to be sad. I didn't want to. I didn't want him. Yeah. I think I was waiting for the right time to to explain things, and I didn't do that. And then I didn't do the rest. As you're sitting with these feelings, Hank, you hear a high-pitched whistle as your tea has, or at least the water has finished boiling. The tea, to- er, tea tender turns their back to you really quick and finishes preparing your drink. They turn around to you and put it in front of you. And you see within the comforting brew a safe space, one that eases what ails you. So as you're looking into the drink itself... What Hank sees before them is a memory invented. So a future that was not followed that would ease that past fear of yours. So what do you see? What does the world like in a world in which Hank tells his son? And the son is sad about it. I think Hank is at the uh, the breakfast nook in his apartment and he has called his son on the phone, and i done his best to make sure his son knew that... Should I just, like, spill it? Or should I keep vamping Yeah, do you, wanna, do you wanna... Do you wanna play this one out versus sure, just talking yeah. about it? I'm gonna do phone sound effects, because I think it's funny, especially when it's kinda <laughs> heavy. <clears throat> yeah. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, fuck, where did I... Shit. 
Um, no, I got a, I got the chilies all over my hands. So, okay, all right. And the son kind of wedges the phone. He like is able to unlock it with his face, but then he like puts it precariously in between his wrist up to his up to his head. Oh. Hi. Um. Uh. Hi, Gail. Uh. It's it's me. It's uh. It's your dad. Yeah, we've had caller ID since the nineties, Dad. Uh, well, you just said hey, so I wasn't, you know. Um, it's it's been a bit. I wanted to, you know. Uh, I guess I wanted to catch up. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not a lot's been going on around here. Um. Dina. Dina got second in her class spelling bee. Um. You know how she is, though. She spiraled afterwards that she wasn't first. I have. No idea where she gets this thing about perfection from, uh, but we're working on it, and we're still proud of her. They even gave her a fucking trophy for seconds, so I don't understand uh, what's going on there. But yeah, other than that, same ol', same ol'. As you get the sense that he's really withholding from you, other than the like the one thing that was immediately in his recollection that annoyed him, so he wanted to speak on it. Um, I wanted. I should have done it a lot sooner. Um, I wanted to apologize to you. Um, it's, you know, it's a long time coming, and, well, I, I know that you wish I hadn't moved on so fast after your mother, uh, after your mother passed. Uh, but, you know, life, uh, takes its, uh, its twists and turns, and I, you know, it doesn't mean I didn't love your mother, or the family that we had. I... I don't know. I I want to believe it, you know? I think about if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't. But, I don't know, that's the way life is sometimes. And I I can't admit that I took too much stake into your own life. What you do is what you do, Dad. I don't have any say in that. If you want to get remarried, you know, a year after, that's that's fine. I don't... I can't control your life. Can't control mine. So you know, I I I should have thought about it more too, because you know I wouldn't have. Uh, you know, I love Sherry, but if I knew that getting into it and getting married, and if I knew it would have created this wedge uh, between the two of us, then I wouldn't have done it. Not then. Not as quick. You, there's a silence over the phone, but you can tell that it's a quiet contemplation versus a just ignoring you. No, that uh, that means a lot, Dad. I mean, you know, after after your mother passed, you're the most important thing to me, and you know, I lost you too. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't been feeling great about it. I mean, you only talk so much in therapy about a subject, but yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry too. I don't. I feared so much of losing my family that I just now realizing I'm withholding the rest of yours from you. You should, um, you should come by. Uh, Dina misses you. So does Kylie. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I'm, I'm mostly free. I'm only, you know, I'm only part-time now, so. (laughs) The great Hank part-time? What is, what's going on there? Well, uh, you know, it's, I don't like saying it because it's part of why, you know, I'm 
I'm reaching out, and I didn't want to, certainly didn't want to preface with uh, saying it first, but, um, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing too well. Um, my health isn't, uh, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, I guess I didn't, I didn't, uh, watch what I eat the way that I was supposed to. So, uh, you know, everything got all, uh, all clogged and, you know, now they're trying to do, I'm scheduled for, uh, uh, a bypass in uh, about a month. Wow. And, you know, they said, you know, odds are, odds are okay, but, but that, you know, there's a doctor, he said, you know, if there's anything that you've been putting off, <laughs> if there's anything you've been putting off, you're afraid to do, you might want to do it before. I, uh, glad I was on your list. Oh, you were the you were the top. <sighs> Those um, but they've got they've got that surgery. Like that's fine nowadays. You know they could you'll be you'll be good with that. Yeah. You know um, hey, are you are you are you busy today? No, no, whole days whole days clear. Okay. Um, we were we were making some pico. Uh, we were gonna go to like the park or something, but um, I'll just we'll just we'll come over your way. Yeah, that uh, that sounds great. All right, I'll uh, see you in about an hour, Dad. Yes, uh, you know, as as soon as you can, post haste. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Boop boop boop. I almost hit disconnect on Discord because we ended the fake <laughs> call. <laughs> Got you, Pavlov conditioned. Yeah. As you take a drink from the comforting brew, you get a sense of this created memory within you, which brings you peace, Hank, at the end. You sip your drink in contemplative silence, and before long, it's finished. Uh, Go ahead and describe your state upon leaving. Illinois? (laughs) Sorry. You said it was in Chicago. Um, Yeah. I am... I think I am calm and at peace, of course, but I think I am also hopeful. You know, there are are people I love that I might get to see soon. People who may have been my deceased wife, something like that. As your new balances squeak against the hardwood floor, you once again open the door to the great expanse that's outside. As you're staring at this great expanse, the sunlight beams shift direction so now that they're all facing one straight line into the end. You walk off into it. And Hank is gone. It is three days later, as the original roll I did for Ryan had the special condition uh, that I had two to the next results. I just rolled a one. So three days later gets a six, and a baker is arriving to the last tea shop, and the weather is... (laughs) Once again, we see those intersecting gentle sunbeams 
uh, hearkening another calm entrance into the last tea shop. So as this next being walks through the threshold, breaks the veil of the last tea shop, Adam, describe our baker. Our baker is a middle-aged woman, probably about 56, somewhere in there, just on the other side of halfway. She has shoulder-length hair that she has let go gray, um, but it's like the really nice, like kind of salt and pepper gray, where it, where it's just like, yeah, you know what, like you could let your hair go gray, like, like, um, very, very modest clothes, clothing, like a, like a, looks like a, a good pair of rugged Levi jeans, uh, pressed, and a three quarters sleeve like blue shirt um it looks very breathable it's got you know just one of those classic like older women of Cole's section kind of like prints <laughs> uh on it you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah i know yeah. exactly what you're fucking <laughs> talking about um uh, a good pair of of sensible uh sensible sketchers um <laughs> I thought we were gonna do every character has new balances yeah, on. Come on. I was I'm there for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stick with sketches. Uh, <laughs> and and they're they're neon green and black, uh, so they don't quite match like the rest of the outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell like that it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like that's not the point. the 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 goal is is comfort, not necessarily style. Love that. And she has a the one one nice. Uh, Nicer than the rest element is this kind of like dainty silver and gold uh, watch also on her left wrist. As she heads in, she finds a booth off to the side of the tea shop. The tea tender walks around the bar and begins to wait on her. As she looks up at the tea tender, describe what face she sees. A very worn face one that has clearly been around the block uh, a, a few times with whatever hardships those might be so so one that is uh very understanding but isn't here for a pity party and how can i serve you today once again dragging out for a name irene irene what a lovely name what can I prepare for you? I think I just need a second. The tea tender waits dutifully. The longer you take for your pause, even the more the tea tender kind of extends you the physical space. Um, stepping back, adjusting some chairs around, um, before waiting until you flag them down to come back and attend to you. I'll do the tea of mirth, please. Tea of Mirth. And which are you expending for the Tea of Mirth? The bright gumdrop. <laughs> you go within. Because I imagine that, like, Women of Cole's blouse also has, like, a weird, like, pocket protector pocket. Um, so she, like, reaches into that and brings out, like, a bright colored gumdrop and oh, no, gives it to the tea it's tender. It's fully a, a purse that also does not match the <laughs> oh, color yeah. scheme. Um, the purse is like brown and tan, so we've just added a whole new set of colors <laughs> yeah. in, and it's about probably 
three times the size that it needs to be and mm-hmm. yet somehow mm-hmm. looks entirely full <laughs> you can feel the tea tender staring at you as you're shifting through pocketbooks loose napkins uh <laughs> the odd snack or two <laughs> until you're eventually able uh to produce the bright gun drop for the drink uh the tea tender takes it brings it back to prepare your tea they then come to your booth and uncharacteristically sit down on the other side of it. Where did you live, Irene? Well, I spent most of my life in a small farm town just outside of central Pennsylvania. And then I moved to the city to be closer to my son. Your son. What's your son's name? David. David. Wonderful. Did you enjoy the city? It was a fun change of pace. I wasn't quite used to it at first, but I learned to like it pretty quickly. There always felt like something new was happening. It was definitely not a farm. (laughs) (laughs) The tea tender gives a hearty chuckle. The city life can be exciting at all times. Not as calm or reserved as a farm can be. Hard work. Valued. Would you consider yourself a hard worker, Irene? Very much so. I think I often throw myself into my work more than a typical person would. What are you proud of? I'm proud of what I built for my son. We haven't had the easiest relationship or time, but... Somehow we made it through all of that, and I was able to cheerlead him to get to a good place, and I was able to leave him in a good place. I'm sure he appreciated the support. Sometimes it's what we need to get to where we need to be. Is there anything you regret, Irene? I regret not doing enough when my husband got sick. I don't quite know what more there would have been to do, but I've always felt like there was something. Off in the distance, you hear the whistle of the water boiling as the tea tender politely excuses themselves and finishes preparing your drink as he brings back the tea of mirth. As you stare into it, you are brought to an hour spent laughing at everything and nothing. So we see a vision. This could either be an invented memory or a real memory for Irene, in which you had the giggles or were fully within mirth. I think it's a real memory. Describe it a little and we'll get into it. When my son was in elementary school, he was very into baseball, although he didn't quite realize that maybe he wasn't athletically gifted like he thought he was, and... My husband and I tried to support him in just about anything and everything that we could, because, heck, if he thought he was going to do it, David was going to do it. So we took him to the park, and we packed this just massive picnic, and by we, I mean me. I have a tendency to uh, maybe over-prepare for for, uh, certain meals, uh, as my family liked to joke, and uh i had quiche and marshmallow stuffed strawberries and 
chocolate dipped oranges and I brought a pitcher of lemonade that I made. Now, I didn't squeeze the lemons myself, but I did buy Crystal Light, and that's what we made the lemonade in, and I promised it was just as good, although my mother might not have thought so, and I remember that um, David couldn't quite yet hit a real baseball, and so we were still practicing with wiffle balls, you know, the the white plastic, uh, it, not as, as hard to throw, and so my my husband uh was out there um on the i don't know the field i guess it's called and uh i was unloading the picnic basket and uh i was i was watching uh my husband you know underhand toss the wiffle balls to david and and he was hitting them and i was i was just so happy to watch the two of them getting along and we were we were all smiling and then the darndest thing happened, and you know what, this might this might be one of those things where you had to be there, but I, I swear in the moment it was truly hilarious, and I was watching, and before I could even say anything, I, I watched my husband underhand pitch a real baseball to David, and David whacked that thing. He had never been able to hit a real baseball before, and he just, he, he smacked it, and it flew, and kept going until it hit my husband directly in the groin and he fell over and i just busted a gut i couldn't help it i just started laughing so hard and of course my husband was was trying to laugh but was also in my understanding serious pain and david just hadn't understood anything that happened and all we could do was just celebrate because he had finally hit a real baseball and it was it was perfect and after we we sat back down at, at the at the picnic i had i had prepared and we just ate and and we enjoyed the sunshine and it was one of the few times where it felt like everything just paused and we just got to be a family as your lips pull away from the tea you get the notes of these memories. You can taste the quiche. You can taste the the orange. You can taste the way the grass felt underneath you. The the smell of the wiffle ball. The kind of dry feeling in your throat when you've laughed way too much. And your vocal cords are <laughs> starting to tire from that. And you sit in the quiet contemplation as you finish your drink uh, with the tea tender looking at you with a soft smile and you politely excuse yourself from the booth and uh, describe Irene's state at the end of her journey there's a happy sadness in my chest of tears coming down my face but a smile not leaving my mouth as I feel gratitude for all of the positive moments and knowing that there will continue to be positive moments in the people that I care about's lives even though I need to leave. As you head out, the sunbeams correct themselves to create one singular bridge to where you need to go. And Irene walks out and fades off. The baker 
gifts a random tea ingredient. So go ahead and roll uh, 2d6. Adam. Uh, sea salt. Sea salt. So, Orion, you can go ahead and add sea salt to your supplies. I don't even know what that's for. I just like sea salt. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> As the door opens six days later, a librarian is making their way in as the steps into the last tea shop bubble up. The cosmos itself seems to form these little dark matter clouds, these bruised purple fog uh, creates this kind of jagged pathway into it as the librarian comes in pained. So as they step in, Ryan, please describe the librarian for us. We see kind of a clash of like new librarian and old school typical librarian um, walk in. Um, she has very, yeah, it's a very curly, kinky purple hair um, pulled back into a bun with a little bit coming down uh, the bangs uh, loose a little, maybe not intentionally. Um, and there's a purple streak running through very intentionally. Um, a younger woman. She has um, kind of like, I don't know the names of female articles of clothing well enough. So mm -hmm. she has this kind of um, like smock dress on um, and a white turtleneck underneath, um, long sleeve turtleneck. And the smock has, um, it has uh, a kind of 90s animal print. So they're kind of like flat colored animals on the print um, and she's wearing a pair of Doc Martens but she has put in rainbow laces and she has um, a messenger bag and you can see a few books sticking out man I could be really specific you can keep going you're describing my dream person <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> um, that was my goal to describe your dream person so yeah she has um, a collected Wizard of Oz hardcover it's only the first five books and she also has what are things that i can reference if i want to <laughs> she has a copy of <laughs> native son by i believe ellison yeah uh and uh a copy of uh, pedro paramo which is by i forget who um, I can check my bag, but I forget who. <laughs> <laughs> and the author is slightly obscured. Yeah, the author is obscured, so it just says Pedro Perot. <laughs> and she has um, e uh, two piercings lower for hanging uh, earrings, and on her left ear, like, studs all the way up. And the hanging ones have two different planets Uranus and Neptune. They look similar, but they're two different ones. All right. One has rings. God, um, don't die, baby. You're so sexy. <laughs> As this person <laughs> walks in. This is pandering the shopkeeper. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I really was just like. And Ryan wins this game. I didn't know there was a, there was a win condition. Damn. Uh... <laughs> As... <laughs> 
<laughs> she heads in. She has a seat on the far end of the bar as the tea tender comes over uh, to her and kind of places their arms at their full length extended against the bar um, as they are intent on listening as they can tell that there's uh, something amiss emotionally. But as this person looks at the tea tender, what do they see? When they look at the tea tender, they see a gentle old woman's face with uh, sunspots. You can see along on her face and neck and kind of sagging skin and darkened circles under her eyes, but the eyes themselves kind of sparkle. What can I get for you? With space at the end for the name. Yeah. Um, damn it. The tea I want, I don't have the ingredients for. <laughs> so, we gotta look for just a second. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> uh, I'm Agnes. Hi. Could I get a cup of the distance tea? Yes, of course. And she holds out her hand for whatever ingredient you're using for it. Oh, uh, just one second. Uh, I reach into the bag and I pull out um, the bird nest fun guy. Wonderful. As you bring out this little small bit of fungi, the tea tender takes it, shuffles back to begin it for you. I think just as it's happening, I think Agnes kind of does like a double take of like, why did I have that? Like, just kind of processing, <laughs> I think for herself, like, why did I have that and why did I know I have it? But I think she's willing to let it go. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I need it for the purposes of the yeah. game, so you better be okay with me having it. <laughs> she comes back, shuffles over to you, and uh, she, the tea tender now has a step stool for her shorter forms. So she steps up on the step stool so she can fully be seen over the bar. The, uh, oh... They might actually save that. Uh, instead, they look at you, and the tea tender asks, You recently realized something. What was that? It's kind of weird of you to ask, uh, but I, re- uh, I realized that, that my best friend, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't their best friend. Yeah, that, you know, that, uh, that they were more important to me uh, than I was to them. Which, you know, which is hard because we work together. Also, It can be very difficult when you think things like that are fully reciprocated. It's a heavy burden of knowledge to realize that you are giving a friend your all for which they would not return. You said you worked together. Yeah, uh, they they were, well, you know, short term. I actually got them the job at the library because I wanted, you know, because I had moved and I wanted them to be close, so I got them, like, a short contract transferring all of the uh, card catalog to the new digital system, which I think was kind of weird for them because they'd never been to such a, you know, like a small town, small area. This friendship, did you end up losing it after your realization? It's kind of trite 
but kind of um, like from the Fault in Our Stars, it was kind of slowly, and then it was all at once. I don't like that book, but that's what I can do. Dennis just lifted up a copy of Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> I quickly accessed from my personal library a copy of the Fault in Our Stars. I personally, Ryan, feel ambivalent. <laughs> Agnes did not like that book. I think it's, yeah, it's a solid, it's solid. It's a solid love story. I like it. Yeah, making out in the, the Anne Frank There's house one is a little, a little much, John Green. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise. Tell me about your journey here. Asking as a player. Mm -hmm. Is that... That's a very different question than, like, how did you die, right? Yeah, I think the... Like, the events leading up to the death, and maybe even the realization afterwards. I was on the, the, the Birch Highway leading out of town, and it was raining pretty hard, and me personally, I wasn't uh, feeling so well. <laughs> I was feeling pretty bad, all things considered. And the, the birch kind of winds along the side of the birch mountain. And I remember on one of the switchbacks, I was upset and I was driving faster than I should than I should have been. On one of those hard rights, I missed it. And I, I crashed through the, the, the rail, the railing. And it did not hold as well as I thought it would. <laughs> I remember that. I remember thinking that. I remember being like, those posts are a little harder, probably, as I'm falling. And everything was really quick. I remember thinking about dairy as the car was falling. And then I remember feeling the impact and hearing the glass shatter and hearing my neck, hearing my neck snap. And very quickly, being this kind of cloudy, it was cool. It was like cloudy purple and gray and it had these kind of like, there's like this kind of energy flowing through it and like pulling it. It was kind of like this, you know, it was, it was like warmer colors. It was like reds and oranges kind of feeling like a hole in the chest and there's these figures kind of all around this kind of like procession of figures that I was like like at a wedding like it was all about me being pulled toward this white doorway and then I got here and then you were like hey what do you want <laughs> <laughs> the tea tender giggles a little bit at your humorous deflections eventually she slowly sips down her step stool as she beats the water as it just starts whistling by the time she's made her way there she finishes preparing your tea and brings it back to you as you look in this tea it is a black tea um quite quite literally almost like a Banta black tea as you stare into the drink it somehow makes the cup look infinite as you keep on looking down and down this rabbit hole as the distance tea is a drink to calm a difficult memory which memory 
Do you need calming, Agnes? The memory of... It sounds sounds so silly, but the memory of uh, finding out that... The memory of Derry finding out that Derry had canceled our plans uh, to spend time with Cedric. That was really Hmm. hard for me. Still kind of, you know, processing. As you take your first sip of your drink, Agnes, you're brought into a memory, another bond you have in your life. It's someone you might consider just like a regular friend, not up there on the level of dairy, but someone who is consistently there for plans. They might not make it out all the time, but like when they can get away from the husband, like she's always there. She's always having a wonderful time with you. Uh, Someone who can wax poetic as best as you can as a librarian. And you, as you're taking this sip, as the liquid is hitting your lips or taking on this outstretch of this alternate path in which you find you had stability there in this friend. Uh, something that, even though you wanted it from Derry, you would have gotten the same reciprocation had that path been followed. And you take another sip, and the road diverges to another friend later in life after the car accident would have happened that you meet along the lines and the paths continue to diverge and diverge showing you all the beautiful connections you could have made and as you round about to your final sip my final question I guess for Ryan the player for Agnes the final road shows you Derry's life with Cedric did that pan out or did that fall apart I think I think in the end it panned out I think like a lot of friendships there was some periods where like they weren't close they kind of you know they fell apart and had to like work to bring it back together once or twice but I think that in the end they were they were happily friends for like a really long time I think in those those moments those lows Derry finds herself remembering a friend that they used to have a friend that is no longer with them and I think it is through your passing that ends up causing Derry to make the necessary changes or to find a way to bridge that gap between Cedric so that you always stay with Derry a part of their journey a part of their narrative but like all guests at Blast Tea Shop you finish your final drink and you are pained for a bit, but now that's adult. And explain your state on the way out. I am. I'm ready. As I finish my last sip, I push it, you know, toward the the tea cellar. Tea tender. <laughs> I push it toward the tea tender, and I kind of give like a nod of thanks. And I stand up and I pull down my my smock. My dress um you know straighten it out and i slip my bag over my shoulder and i go to the door and i walk out as you walk out 
the purple fog that is awaiting you straightens itself out from its jagged nature, almost creating this half-pipe or parted sea for you to walk on on your specific journey to the end. As... another six. Math, math, math. Eighteen is what I'm looking for. As a merchant is making their way. Do I leave anything? Okay. Uh, there was nothing for the librarian. Oh, okay. That whole row oh. doesn't leave anything, unfortunately. That's alright, I just wanted to yeah. make sure. <laughs> yeah. As a merchant is on their way. Ooh. The door opens into the cosmic plane as a lot of the background is obscured by a shadowy mist. As that mist kind of rolls into the last tea shop itself, the merchant walks in feeling scared. And as they walk in, Adam, if you would describe the merchant for me. Yeah, this is um this is a really fit guy. Not like not big, like like he wouldn't stand out in a crowd. But you look at him and you're like, you you definitely like work out every day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing a like a charcoal gray short sleeve uh Henley. So it's got those three buttons that just stayed button stay buttoned but like they're they're purely there for aesthetic, no no functional purpose. Um mm-hmm. the the sleeves are, are cut they're cropped just a little bit uh shorter so that they sit like right at the bicep. And it is tucked into a pair of black slacks, nice black leather belt uh, around, and a matching pair of black leather shoes. Really into watches today, apparently, but uh, it's got a a black, um, not leather, but black metal watch. Uh, Right hand. Yeah, switching it up. Um, And a pair of thin black wire but think of the um like ray-ban style cut glasses and we know that he doesn't actually need them they are purely blue light glasses uh for this this aesthetic very nice very nice as this gentleman walks in they don't sit he stands at the bar in a place where a stool has already been moved out of the way as it's always been his spot. He uh, awaits until the tea tender who's taking to a task placing a new trinket onto a shelf walks back behind the bar. And what face does this gentleman see? A much older gentleman. Uh, clean-shaven, white hair, the... the the kind of guy that you'd find at like a, a mom and pop, you know, like burger and fries shop. Like he's he either founded the place or, you know, started working there when he was a kid and eventually became the owner. That that kind of that kind of vibe. As the tea tender approaches you very kindly, very warmly, with a certain pep in their step. You watch as they bring a menu over to you and place it uh, before you. Uh, so, uh, what can I get you? Um, I 
draft of, of the call, please. Of course, of course. Uh, you got it. Uh, and he's like waving his hand out in front of you for your ingredient. I reach into my um, shirt pocket because uh, it has a pocket. And I pull out the ginkgo leaf. <laughs> Wonderful. The tea tender takes the ginkgo leaf, uh, kind of grabs it with a uh, almost a childish kind of enjoyment with it. Big bright smile on his face. Heel turns and then goes back to prepare it as he's setting up the water uh, for boiling. He looks over his shoulder. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch your name. Uh, Sean. Sean. Uh, eventually he finishes with the preparations and comes back, drap- uh, drapes his uh, bar rag over his shoulder. <sighs> Who's going to miss you, Sean? My girlfriend. Tell me about her. She's just the kindest person you'd ever meet. You could be a complete stranger on the street. and She could smile at you and you'd start having the best day of your life. I often feel like the root of kindness for strangers is the ability to see others. And it seems like your girlfriend was able to see everyone. Yeah, it's one of the things we didn't have in common. What are you going to regret, Sean? I don't think I was very nice to people. I didn't take the time to care like you should. Obviously, a lot of people come in and out of here. So I want you to take the slightest bit of comfort knowing that I've had many, many people come in here with not the best streak in their life. But I will say very few of them, even as they drink here, are able to recognize that. What what gave you that insight, that self-awareness? Because the only person that I could even start to think of when you asked who would miss me was just my girlfriend. There wasn't anybody else. If you were such an awful guy, Sean, why'd she choose you? I asked myself that a lot. Tea tender takes a deep breath, solemn in nature. And then the whistling of the tea kettle begins. But the tea tender takes a moment before heading off to it. Instead, choosing to just stare at you, Sean, as your eyes kind of dart from here and there around the last tea shop. Eventually, the whistling hits a fever pitch, and the tea tender goes up, turns around on his heels, and finishes preparing your drink. He uh, comes back with the draft of Recall, which allows you to relive a memory in vivid detail. And as you look into this drink, it looks as if it's like a cup of mercury. It's just like a mirror in a glass. And through the looking glass, what memory do we see? The first time I, I met my girlfriend. Where was it? We were out at a, at a bar. Cliché, I know. Everybody seems to meet in bars these days. I think she kind of clocked me for an asshole in the beginning, to be honest. She wasn't wrong. I've been listening to some stupid podcasts about how to pick up women and the whole oh they they like when they're when you're mean to them and 
for some reason that's uh that's what I did my my opening line was criticizing her shoes with her outfit she called me on my shit immediately she uh basically said I had a small dick and that she could tell just because of my opening line and at the same time somehow winked at me and made me feel like she wanted the conversation to keep going but not if I was gonna act like that I had gone to the bar with some buddies of mine and as the hours rolled by they kept saying you know that they were gonna head out and I realized that we had just been talking for four hours just sitting at the bar she never went back to her friends I never went back to mine we didn't even drink we just talked as you are taking sips of this drink you think of the way your girlfriend was truly able to see you and even in this moment she was able to observe exactly what you needed to put you on the right track to be a kind person now obviously that didn't stick for sean but in this memory you see a life that could have been if the appropriate callouts were needed for sean throughout his life to put him on the track to being more kind that this memory would involve more people than just the one you kind of cling on to the last sips of this drink to which you hear a tapping on the wood bar as the tea tender is getting impatient with you what finally gets sean to take the final sip i see him tapping on the bar getting impatient and i realize that taking any more this time would be selfish in your last act you do something selfless and kind and you take the last sip as the as you look up from the last sip you look up at the tea tender and he's got that very bright and bubbly restaurant owner of old age he really does enjoy his job um, as he's looking at you with a smile that just reads you were on the right track you were doing the right thing you could have been a contender um, and describe Sean's state on the way out I don't have much uh, feeling in my hands other than that anxious numbness and the tears coming down my face are for the first time for other people rather than for myself as the door opens the mist has formed itself into a almost stereotypical tunnel uh, to which you see a light at the end as Sean heads through the bartender goes about closing for the evening breaking down all of the ingredients the mise en place and all of the machinery used as they go to a new shelf where they place a tiny little trophy they place a wiffle ball they place a small novella and they place a small or actually they just place an actual watch on the shelf 
and then head out of the door. And that's where we'll end the session for today. Thank you, Variables, for listening to this very fun, very lighthearted, comedic, <laughs> fucking chuckle fuck a minute uh, session of the last tea shop. <laughs> Uh, thank you and Adam for Ryan for being on my comedy TTRPG podcast you're welcome you're so welcome I hope you enjoyed the last tea shop like I said check out the abortion fun bundle there's so many games I still haven't finished reading through all of the games Uh, but keep on listening to three shot of palooza and we love you. Take care of yourselves after this episode. Bye. Good night. <laughs> Go to sleep. <coughs> Two <coughs> stars in the distance. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, Hank had a little cough. Or, yeah, Hank had a little cough. Uh, right before. Here's the bypass. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good. That's good shit. I need a second. I'm not a main prover. Okay. You're doing great, Adam, so. (laughs) Um... LGBTQIA Actual Play Podcast Network.